0: ESPN, 94.1 FM, and 8.930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never (laughs) FDIC.
1: It is Thursday, June 4th. Your drive begins now on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories it is, the original light beer. We're going to open up the phone lines for you early this hour as we don't have any guests scheduled for the program today, but we do have a lot to get into. I guess we need to start with the university cutting pay, or at least they're terming it as pay restrictions and reductions. So Marshall University sent out an email message this afternoon, and it was from Marshall University President Jerome Gilbert. He told employees... He's preparing to submit a budget reduction proposal to the university's Board of Governors, including temporary sales, I'm sorry, temporary salary cuts for some employees. He said in the email that the cost-cutting measure necessary, trying to balance the institution's financial year for 2021 in the face of the projected enrollment declines for the fall semester due To COVID-19. Now, if this is accepted, the university will implement what is called part one of the temporary, and they're using that term temporary, salary reductions, which is for employees making $100,000 or more annually. Now, the reductions will be effective with the pay period that starts July 4th and employees that make more will have higher percentage reductions. Example given, they put out a scale. They use, for example, 6% reduction at $107,900. A 7% reduction at $133,800. 8% reduction using the example at $175,400. They even go up to 9 and 10% reductions. 9% reduction is at 215400 and then they use 10% as the example for a salary of 262400 The maximum reduction will be 15% at $470,000. So, reductions are coming. I did inquire, and there's nothing definitive, but I don't think there's going to be anything that says that Athletics exempt. So this seems to be university-wide. This is a university-wide cut. And there's also going to be some more cuts. Again, they're going to look at enrollment. They're going to look at what kind of money is coming in. And so they have a Part 2 salary reduction. The scale is 1% reduction at $54,800, a 2% reduction at $60,750, three percent reduction they use sixty eight thousand four hundred and fifty dollars as the example four percent reduction the example used is seventy seven thousand seven hundred and seventy five and five percent reduction at ninety thousand dollars so depending on what your scale is at marshall university you're going to see a pay cut in a different amount and it's going to scale up depending on how much you make and so I can anticipate there'll be salary reductions for athletic staff as well. Don Holliday, Dan D'Antoni, I'm sure all of them are going to be included in this. So this isn't just an athletic department move measure to try to save some revenue. This is a university maneuver. This is a university trying to figure out how to overcome the budget shortfall. As I said, athletics not mentioned in this email. I don't have a definitive yay or nay from athletics, but until there is a definitive no, I'm going to assume that this applies to athletics as well. That's the best move. That's, I guess that's the best we can do right now. We can, we can just presume that until we hear otherwise, this also covers athletics. But if you're an employee at Marshall, you're making $50,000 or less, you're going to be okay. You're not going to be cut. So it's higher salaries, and that's where the reductions are going to be. Now, um, here is what uh, was uh, issued in the release, and this is from Vice President Mark Robinson. He said in the release, Let me assure you, it is our intent for the temporary salary reductions to last no longer than one year. He also added, it is possible salaries could be restored to their full levels at any time during the fiscal year, depending on university revenues. So, um, this was Dr. Gilbert. I'm sorry. He, he said that he, along with Vice President Mark Robinson, he will be closely monitoring the financial status to be prepared to take restorative action as soon as appropriate. So this is Dr. Gilbert speaking, and he's also alluding to uh, Vice President Mark Robinson in this context. So uh, I apologize there. In addition to the temporary salary reductions, the proposal to the board is going to include freezing vacant positions and state-funded travel, cutting back on campus events, reducing the number of graduate assistants and student workers, reducing operating, maintenance and utility budgets and reducing the number of course selections to cut instructional expenses. In addition, the university in the release said that the institution will save 1 million a year due to strategic refinancing of university bonds in April. So, this has wide impact on a lot of people. Teachers, Staff members, if you're of a certain pay grade, you're going to feel it a little bit more. If you're under a certain number, it's not going to impact you as much. And if you're still under another number, this isn't going to hurt you at all. Now, what's going to happen, though, there will probably be some strain on campus because you've got vacant positions, not going to be filled. You are also going to see travel cut. I mean, that's everything. I mean, state funding or travel is going to be cut back. Campus events, what does that entail? What kind of a campus events are we going to see cut? That's another question. And, of course, does that mean simple ceremonies to lavish events? What does that mean? Also, if you're a graduate assistant, you're a student worker, there might be a little bit more competition for positions as they're going to reduce the numbers of those students and those assistants in the university. I mean, here's the detrimental one, reducing the operating budget. You're going to have to, of course, find ways to do things with less, and that means maintenance and utility budgets as well. And course selection. I mean, course sections are going to basically be, I mean, maybe they're going to do things a little differently, but the way this is reduced was reducing the number of course sections to cut instructional expense. So maybe a class is going to be offered. Maybe that's going to be offered another time, or maybe they're going to, instead of having multiple classes in one subject, I mean, that could be anywhere from, okay, we offer this class twice in two different time frames, we're going to cut that back, who knows? So these are what, we're going to have to see what happens now, we're going to have to see what this means when everything is actually put into practical play. Now, what does this mean for athletics? And, of course, this is, again, Doc Holliday is a university employee. Dan D'Antoni, university employee. Tony Kemper, university employee. You know, all of the coaches at the university, I'm sure, will be impacted as well. And this has been going on from campus to campus, from university to university. I'm surprised we hadn't heard anything sooner, but at the same time, I think Marshall has been a little bit more, and not trying to imply passive, they've been more, let's wait, let's see, let's look at this and try to figure out what's going to happen as soon as we have a better idea of what we need to do here in the president's office or what the athletic department needs to do, then you're going to hear more about this. And, of course, this is what went out this afternoon as far as the budget's concerned. And I know it's not directly – athletic related but it is because again coaches are across the country some have voluntarily been submitting reductions some have been a little behind on that and the university has made the decision for them or in at least conversation with those coaches I mean you haven't seen that here yet so now now you have and again until I hear differently uh, I'm going to I'm going to presume that this also covers athletics And honestly, um, I would not think it wouldn't because right now if university employees were taking cuts and athletic employees were not, um, that could create an awkward situation. That could create a little tension between groups of employees at Marshall University. So I'm not trying to start something. I just know that that's what this means, and that probably covers the entire university. Something else we're going to talk about today, Uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later. More COVID-19 tests across the country have come back positive in athletic departments. We'll talk about a couple athletic departments that have positive tests. Also, a lot of activity. We're starting to see more direction towards what the NBA, NHL, and maybe the baseball season will look like. We'll talk about all of that and get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Our phone lines this hour brought to you by Miller Lite. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste only, 96 calories. It is the original light beer. We have got more coming up on today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
0: The Drive with Paul Swan. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. He knows Paul's the best on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: That never gets old. That never gets old. It just doesn't. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. So we're kind of getting closer to what might be the NBA what might be the NHL what might be baseball we'll say the NBA for last let's start with baseball we don't know what they're doing baseball no clue yet to what's going to happen are we going to have a made-up league we're we going to have teams in what well, geographically friendly groups what are we going to have are the players going to play and maybe not get paid as much as they like. Who knows? But uh, we do this. Several media reports have come out, and this is interesting. That's why I wanted to lead off with this one. All major league baseball announcers, according to several reports, and this is television and radio, they have been told they are going to be doing all 2020 road games from a local broadcast studio or home ballpark with monitors as their guide. And this has, of course, been on several reports, several media outlets that cover Major League Baseball. Don't know what the extent of this is going to be, but this is not unheard of. Already we're seeing games done remotely. Broadcasting is trying to cut costs just as much as everybody else. And so one of the things that a lot of kids sign up for when they take broadcasting classes is the excitement of going in and covering a team, you get to go to different venues, you get to go to, you get to travel. I mean, that's one of the exciting things about being a sports play-by-play announcer, more so than anything. I mean, beat reporters, depending on the budget of the publication, they get to travel a little bit as well. Television reporters, depending on the outlet, the budget, they get to travel a little bit as well. So everyone who is in sports has traveled for the most part and got to enjoy a little bit of that. Well... That stuff costs money. And so you're seeing more and more outlets are just cutting the travel budget. Okay, you don't need to be press row at the basketball game. You can listen to the game on the radio, and then you can call coach, get some comments, and there you go. That's your story. And that's happening more and more. And we're seeing that with play-by-play as well because it's a cost-saving measure. It's expensive, or at least it helps save the cost cumulatively if instead of sending announcers – across the country, how many times are you going to see outside crews come in to Huntington and broadcast a game, depending on the outlet? It's very important to understand that Marshall produces a lot of the broadcast through the institution itself. Marshall has its own broadcast facility, and Marshall has Marshall announcers. So if you see a game on ESPN+, more than likely, it's the hometown announcer. And I know, I listen to you, I hear you on Twitter, or I see you on Twitter, I hear you too. And I hear all the time from people, those announcers are terrible. Well, they're terrible to you because they're the home announcer for the other team. And on a larger scale, you're going to see, again, because how many people are going to be allowed in these ballparks? If baseball comes back, how many people are going to be allowed in the ballpark? How many people are going to be allowed to... Travel. And they're going to try to either quarantine or they're going to try to— I'm talking about these organizations, these baseball teams, Major League Baseball. They're going to try to limit this as much as they possibly can. And that means, hey, the hometown radio guy, the hometown TV guy, you're going to get the broadcast feed of the game, and you're going to call the play-by-play action. It's not the same. It's completely different because— the reason why I think radio is better than television because the television announcers, they're going to focus on, well, they're going to look at the monitors. They're going to call the game based on a lot of times what's on the monitor. They're playing towards the television. The radio announcer, for the most part, is painting you a picture of everything he sees, not just on the monitor. he's Everything he sees, anything that's in the ballpark, anything that's going on, Something that's happening off camera, you don't know about it if you listen to a radio announcer because the radio announcer is looking at everything. Looking at everything, telling you what's going on, painting you the picture. And it's just not the same. I watched some of the baseball coming from Korea on ESPN, and it's good. It's really good. How much better would it be if the announcers were on, well, in the stadium? If they were on the air in the stadium instead of watching the game from their home, and their den, their library, wherever they've set up their broadcast booth at home, because right now, a lot of this is being done at home, and so the quality's going to take a hit, but at least baseball's got a plan. They're basically saying, look, this is how we're going to do. I don't know if this is where you go, though. I understand you're trying to save costs. You're trying to cut back on travel. You're trying to limit how many people go, how many people ex- are exposed, so Basically, if you want to watch a baseball game on TV, if it's a home game, your guy's there. If it's a road game, your guy's watching it just as much as you are from the same video feed for the most part. And that's where we're at with baseball. Now, I don't know how it's going to work in basketball, but we do have more details. The NBA Board of Governors today, they voted to approve the 22-team format to restart The 2019-20 season, this is going to be, of course, in Orlando, Florida. And according to sources, the vote was, and this is reporting from ESPN, the vote was 29-1. to You know the one team that voted against the proposal? The Portland Trailblazers. So Trailblazers said, we don't want any part of this. 29 other teams said, we're fine. Thanks for playing. Now, we're going to see what happens next because the Players Association – working with the league offices to work on this plan, and you're going to have the conference call set for Friday to approve the proposal. Again, this is what sources have told ESPN. Under this plan, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but 13 Western Conference teams and 9 Eastern Conference teams are going to play 8 regular season seeding games, a possible play-in tournament for the 8th seed, and, of course, playoffs, all going to be at Walt Disney World Resort. First of all, if I've got to go isolate and you're going to isolate me at Walt Disney World, the resort, I'm good. Hey, let's all go isolate right now. You want to go do the show isolated at Walt Disney Resort? Let's go. Sorry, Spencer, you got to stay back here because you got to get us on the air. But, you know, everyone else in, in connection with the show can go with me. I'm going to need an on-site producer. I think I found one. We'll, we'll – Sorry, Spencer, it ain't you. Here's, I mean, come on, this is luxury, man. This is luxury. No, seriously, I need someone to get me on the air, Spencer. You can't go. I'll make it up to you. This is, come on, Walt Disney World Resort. Hey, you know, we got to go isolate at this resort. Hey, bring, bring the kids, bring the fam. Let's go hang out at Walt Disney Resort for a couple of months. Yeah, that's, that's so terrible. But this is what it's going to take to get sports back, at least in some form for us to watch. Now, the top 16 teams in the Eastern and Western Conference is going to be joined by teams currently within six games of eighth place in the two conferences. That includes New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington. So why are you hating on this, Portland? You get to play. Why are you hating on this Portland? Why you get a shot? I mean, this is pretty good, and you might even have to have a play-in game to get the eighth seed. If there's, if it's that close, you, again, the NBA finding ways to to make sure we have plenty of basketball. So this is going to happen. Yeah, we're looking at late July for this. Now, when's hockey going to start? When's hockey going to start? Well, the NHL and the Players Association have agreed that the qualifying round of the 24-team tournament will be best of five series, and all four playoff rounds will be best of seven series. So we're not losing the best of seven, and the best of five series to get in, I'm okay with that too. Because you've got several teams that were fighting to get into the postseason before the season was halted, and so I think this is the most fair thing you can come up with. Now, you're going to see a tournament where there's going to be reseeding. They're going to reseed. They're not going to bracket this tournament. So, after the first games are done and we find out okay, which teams made the final field of 16, we're going to reseed this thing. It's a little bit more of a I think a nod to the higher seed teams make it fair for them, make it easier for them to you know, justify the fact that, yes, Spencer, I know you're Washington Capitals. You don't have to point, you don't have to bump your chest to tell me, I know. Spencer Dupuy, our producer intern this afternoon, a Washington Capitals fan and a Washington Nationals fan, as he is wearing his Washington Nationals mask uh, most days he is here in this station. I haven't seen the, the hockey one yet. Yeah, okay, I want to see that, Spencer. So, yes, the Washington Capitals, are there, they're there. I know, I know. Spencer's a little needy now and then. I haven't been paying proper attention to him. Uh, I'm going to fix that later, Spencer. It'll be okay. Hockey. I mean, that's the one thing I love about Spencer. We can talk hockey. Yeah. I mean, we haven't done this in months, man. We haven't talked hockey in months. And this is what we need right now as far as a nice way to – Get this going. It's not right away. It's not immediate. We're easing into it, and I think by the time July comes, hopefully we can use this as a a bit of a release, a bit of a let's all come together and unite in one thing, and that's sports. Sports is a great uniter. Sports brings people together. I mean, it divides people as well, depending on your fandom, but ultimately it divides people who are also coming together in unison for one thing. I mean, we all root for sports. We all root for student athletes. We all root for our favorite player. It's something we all can find common ground with. And so... That's what hopefully is going to happen here in about a month and a half, two months, give or take. I mean, we're looking at close to August here before we can get things going back. And we still don't know what's going to happen in college. College probably going to happen, but I can't say that for certain. We don't know. Speaking of college, I do know this. COVID-19, still in the news. It hasn't gone away. We'll talk about it. A couple of universities, one reporting, other, we're getting sources telling us, that there are tests positive for COVID 19. We'll talk about that and we'll get your phone calls in at 877 420. Talk 877 420 8255. More coming up on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
0: This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Guests with Paul Swan appear via the Miller Lite phone lines.
1: We've been following the COVID-19 story for several months now. It's sort of defined and shaped what we do here on a daily basis as it impacts sports and The other day, we've been getting um, more reports. Uh, We have got three positive now on the campus. uh, Well, not on the campus, but three student-athletes have tested positive for COVID-19. So they were quarantined before they could interact with the student-athletes that are there voluntarily conducting workouts right now. And we're finding out that this is a story that's repeating itself across the country. The biggest one is a report that Alabama has at least five players testing positive for COVID-19. Now, this isn't as of right now. This isn't from the university. This is a report, according to Bama Insider, that five Alabama players, up to five, may have tested positive for this. As the players reporting back to campus this week, nothing has been confirmed as of me coming on the air Uh, They, the university, stating player privacy regulations, player privacy regulations. Now, it's interesting how different universities are handling this. For example, Mike Cameron, transparent. That was his word, transparent. Here we have two, then three, and don't forget the staff member. We have four positive cases. We don't like it that they're sick or they have the virus. We're not happy that we caught it, but we're happy we caught it because now we can help these kids and they can quarantine and treatment if need be, and they can go over you know all of the proper guidelines and procedures to keep themselves healthy, keep them from infecting other people, and maybe, just maybe, if you quarantine these kids and you catch no other cases, you can go through this and this can be an example, or you can work out the kinks because then you bring in the next group of student-athletes and you bring in basketball or you bring in all the other sports eventually and you want to make sure that you do it properly. At the same time, university and the athletic department print pretty upfront. hey, we're not going to tell you who the players are. We're not going to do that. But we're going to tell you we do have positive tests and we don't like it. Because these kids are sick or they have the virus, but we're happy that we're able to catch it and we're able to, the the procedures worked, these kids are going to be in a better place. So that's where Marshall's at compared to Alabama. Different organizations, different universities. And then you've got Arkansas State. Seven Arkansas State University student-athletes testing positive for the coronavirus. And this is according to their chancellor. Here is what Chancellor Kelly Damphouse said. This is a day that we knew would come, not just at a state. And this is a news release that came out today. Damp House learned, of course, of the diagnoses on Wednesday night, said in the release that all seven students continue to be asymptomatic as of this writing. And that's the thing. We don't know. Asymptomatic. Now, we're bringing together from different parts of the country back in clusters large groups of student-athletes. It wasn't if, it was just going to be when. Someone's got it. You don't know. Asymptomatic means you can be perfectly fine, you can be perfectly symptom-free, and you still have it. You're a carrier. And so that's the danger here, and that's why the testing is important, because we don't want to put our student-athletes in a position where they're not sure Hey, is the player next to me, is, is my teammate, are they a carrier? Could I get sick for being in the same room with my, my teammates, on the field, on the court, in the arena, in the training room? Can I, can I get sick because this person doesn't know if they're sick or not or if they have this? Now, Arkansas State, like many universities, they are making the athletes the positive test. Self-isolate for 14 days. They are conducting contact tracing, and anyone that has been exposed to these students will be required to quarantine also for 14 days. Uh, university is going to remain open, according to the chancellor. But this is Arkansas State. So Arkansas State being a little bit more transparent, a little bit more forthcoming. And I'm sure I missed something, or it's going to start coming in. As student-athletes report to campus, we're going to see more and more positive tests. It's just inevitable. It's it's not anything that surprises me. I would have been pleasantly surprised and amazed if Marshall, through their testing, did not have a single positive test. The fact that the numbers are low and, according to the reports, that they're isolated, they're not connected, means to me you just had two or three individuals brought in and unbeknownst to them, they have COVID-19, they have the coronavirus. I'm wondering, though, what's going to be a certain number in which athletic departments pull back? Will there be that certain number that, okay, we got one case, now we have three. Okay, now we have more. Is there a number in which you say, okay, we're going to cut this back, we're going to pull back? We're going to make sure that We keep our student-athletes healthy and safe, and are our student-athletes doing what they need to do? I mean, Mike Hamrick basically said, look, wear your mask. Mike Hamrick, the athletic director, wear your mask is basically what he's doing. So it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And he really, I think, hit the uh, point home when he was telling the student-athletes, okay, hey, we've got a couple of positive tests because that makes your ears perk up because all of a sudden you're like who tested positive? Was I hanging out with that person? Was I was I in the room with that person? You know what does that mean for me? Oh hey, you know what this mask thing that that you might be onto something here. I, we might we might have to take that a little bit more seriously, this mask thing. I mean it's not real until it is for you. Seriously, it's not real until it is. Okay, that's the thing that's happened. Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're fine here. We're in West Virginia. Not that many people have COVID-19. Yeah, we're fine. Nobody comes here. Not bringing, We're not bringing the COVIDs here. Oh, it's here. It's here. And, you know, you're bringing in more student athletes, not just football, basketball as well. Ba- and, you know what, basketball especially, you know, you got to be super careful there because these guys are a small unit as it is. You can social distance, sure, but at the same time, you get several positives back. That's your basketball team here. Well, a football team, you, know, you can do this, and you can do this instruction safely, and if there's a few positive tests, you can still go on with the rest of the instruction to get these kids in a condition where you're not putting their their health and their safety on the line if you do get to play college football and then college basketball and, and every other sport. so. We'll keep it on, and, of course, again, um, I'm covering COVID-19 because those are the things that have been handed to me. That's what i got to deal with, and that's what you've got to deal with on a daily basis uh, because um, without the COVID-19, we get sports back. Or are we going to have to live with the COVID-19 and and figure it out? Uh, I think this is going to be a serious transition year, no doubt about it. Uh, there's not going to be maybe that many fans. I don't see a full house at Jones-C Edwards Stadium. I don't see a full house for basketball. I mean, there might be some fans allowed. You're trying to figure out how to balance we're going broke and we're going to all lose our jobs and we're never going to recover to how do we keep these student-athletes safe and still be able to do some of these things. Uh, it's it's a tricky proposition. And thankfully, I, I do believe in what's happening at Marshall. I, I truly believe that the – department that they have from the medical staff to the athletic department yeah you know, i don't believe that there is this hey we got to get football back we're just going to do it yeah you know, i think they've really thought this out so uh, you know again uh, i told my camera the other day and i truly believed it yeah you know, I, you know, I think Marshall's done a, a better job than most universities as far as how they've addressed this not only with what they're putting in place but how they've handled it with the media Giving me the information when I need it. Everything else is on me. I'm speculating if I get it right, great. If I got it wrong, you know, guess what? I got another show tomorrow. And we have more on the way. That's the good news. Coming up here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930.
0: Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Don't forget, you can get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcast. And if you don't get a podcast, go get a podcast right now. Get mine, and you can do that. Uh, The easy way to do that is uh, using your Alexa app. If you have the Alexa, all you have to do is enable it. We've got the skill posted for you on our website, wrvc.com. And once you enable it, here's a cool trick. I do this. I ask Alexa, and I use this term, Alexa, play the drive. No, let me reset that. Start again. Alexa, ask ESPN 94.1 to play the drive. If you're in the app, if you have that app enabled, it'll play it for you. Or you can ask Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Tuna using your app. And uh, young Spencer Dupuis, who is not going to talk on the microphone today, Um, We had that problem before when you were interning. You would always bring the microphone close to your face as if I was just going to stop talking and let you speak. Uh, He did inform me, though. He did do some good homework yesterday. Um, He found out you can use it on your Google device as well by asking uh, Google to play the podcast. So uh, I have Alexa. That's what I use. But you can get everything you want. You can get our app as well, and we have several of them. All you have to do is go to our website, wrvc.com. One day, Spencer. One day. You you know, it's just like day two of your intern. Well, day three? Three. Okay. Officially, you were volunteering before. We're not just going to let an intern roll in here and and, interrupt the show. I mean, that would be crazy. That would be career suicide. What are you thinking? Before we go, um, interesting news. Been keeping an eye on this story. Florida A&M, their board of trustees, have voted. It was a unanimous vote. They're going to move from the MEAC to the SWAC. And... That's crazy. That makes the swack even better. I mean, this is one of the I mean, this is one of the showcase schools. I mean, if you've got a if you've got a school that is basically waving the flag, the standard bearer, I think Florida A&M is probably one of those schools for really all the other historic black colleges to to really look up to as far as you know the following they have how they you know how they really have been over the years a brand at school that brings a lot of attention and this is what's going to happen Florida a and they're going to leave the MiAC on June 30th of next year and they're going to join the SWAC on July 1st of next year pending approval by the SWAC's member institutions. And, of course, you're not making this move unless you're pretty sure that you're going to get the invite you're going to be in. So they are preparing the move. And if you put this together with North Carolina A&T, they're going to move to the Big South. The MEAC, all of a sudden, is really going to take a hit. The MEAC are going to be down to nine full members, only seven of which actually play football. You've got Delaware State, you've got Morgan State, Howard, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, South Carolina State, and Bethune-Cookman. Those will be the remaining football-playing programs. And you've got Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore. Those are the other members, but they're not football-playing. So, power transition here. And really, the SWAC is getting better. We saw this with the power conferences trying to support Bolster, trying to fortify, taking schools, cherry-picking. Trust me, some of the remnants of Conference USA are now the American because the Big East got cherry-picked. The ACC, a beneficiary of it, West Virginia, wisely going to the Big 12. And honestly, that was probably a smart move for them to go because financially, where would they be if they were not in the Big 12 right now? The way everything has been unfolding. So that's going to be interesting. In Florida A&M. I mean, I enjoy watching the HBCU a lot. And this will be interesting to see Florida A&M in the SWAC. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank our show producer, Spencer DuPoyne. Appreciate him for taking care of us this afternoon. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Until then, good night, everyone.
0: flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.